I thought it would be pretty neat to uh, do, do this in a different way. I'm not going to uh, teach on what I was going to teach on. I don't know. I, I think I've been sidetracked a few times. Uh, I started teaching uh, on Wednesdays a few weeks ago, and I started in Leviticus, which you should never do. You should never teach Leviticus. Just kidding. Uh, it, was, it was a great, uh, it was a great uh, lesson. I really loved it. I think we learned a lot. Uh, and then last week, uh, we looked uh, at a totally different passage, uh, really pertaining to everything that we're going through. Um, and then tonight, I think uh, I'm, I'm going to kind of kind of jump back to what we talked about in Leviticus, which was sacrifice and things like that. Uh, but we're going we're gonna to really look at the Lord's Supper. And so uh, we're going to be in Exodus 12. So if you're going to follow along, you can. Uh, but I want to talk about traditions first. Uh, the season of traditions is, is coming, right? Uh, we have probably a whole bunch of traditions that we have for Thanksgiving, and then we probably have a ton of traditions that we, different families celebrate and do things differently uh, for the whole Christmas season. Uh, our Christmas season, start, we have a lot. I, I didn't realize this until I kind of sat down and like mapped it all out. But uh, as soon as Thanksgiving is over, my wife wants to change from fall to Christmas. All right, so it's all fall decor in the house. It's like the day after everything changes and we're going full Christmas, all right? And so I'm in the shed. I'm trying to wrestle this giant tree, trying to get it in the house uh, and everything like that. And it really starts with, with us decorating our house. Then it goes to us decorating the tree. Now, you guys probably de decorate your trees as well. I have four kids and uh, it's hard to decorate a tree well with four kids. You can decorate a tree with four kids. You just can't do it well. Uh, you, what inevitably happens is, is one kid will, will decorate like one square foot of the tree. And ha you'll have like 50 ornaments right there. The bigger kids are trying to spread theirs out, but they kind of relegate one to like, like one side of the tree is decorated. And so mom and dad have to, like after the kids go to bed, we're like, okay, we need to fix this. This does not look <laughs> Christmassy. Uh, so we go and we, we do that. Usually when we're decorating the tree, we'll have some Christmas music playing. Uh, and we're just kind of, kind of all uh, having a good time. Uh, and it's, it's a fun time. Uh, then all of the stuff comes, comes out of boxes for the house. We have little, little villages that we put up that have lights and everything. It's great. I love it. Um, we listen to Christmas music a lot. But specifically when we're decorating the tree, maybe that night. We'll, we'll watch some kind of a Christmas movie. I think we usually try and do that. Uh, and I don't know what Christmas movie uh, that would be. It might be Die Hard, the best Christmas movie. <laughs> All right, for our kids, we're, we're usually watching Elf. It might be Elf on that night when we're decorating the tree. Die Hard is mine. I like to watch that. Um, and then uh, for, for my wife and I and Parker, who's now 15, I think last year was the very first time we let him watch this because he's getting old enough. We still had to fast forward a couple parts, but Christmas Vacation. It's like, it's like our favorite. Uh, my wife and I love watching it. Uh, we brought Parker into it last year and he thought it was the funniest movie ever. Uh, and it's, it, it's fun. Uh, and then as kind of Christmas gets a little bit closer, uh, we, we do, uh, I, I was trying to remember, I meant to look it up on uh, Google before I got up here so I didn't do this and try and ask you guys what I'm trying to say. What are the calendars called that you, Advent, goodness gracious, for the life of me, I couldn't remember. Anyways, uh, 
we, we kind of made our own little advent calendar and we try to stick to that. Anybody else do that? <laughs> like, we're gonna do this every single night with the activity and everything. And we're like, yeah, maybe we're lucky if we get five nights in the month of December uh, with that thing. But we, we really do love it. But as we get a little closer to Christmas, uh, we have another tradition where we go and look at lights. But we don't just go look uh, at lights. Uh, we, everybody puts on P- PJs, but they get this kind of an early Christmas present, and it's like new Christmas PJs. And so everybody gets in their new Christmas PJs, and Leanne makes hot cocoa for everybody, and then we go pile in the minivan and uh, go around the city, and we look at lights, and uh, that's a really fun uh, thing for us as well. On Christmas Eve... Uh, we have a few traditions. Even since I was a kid and I carried this for my family, uh, we, got to, we got to open one gift on Christmas Eve. The best, man, as a kid, you're like, this is awesome. And so we let our kids do that. Um, Leanne also lets me do that. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's, it's Christmas Eve, and so we'll usually do the night before Christmas. We'll read that with the kids. Uh, and they don't pay attention. Uh, but that's all right, right? It's all right. It's all, it's all in the name of traditions. We like to do uh, all those things. Uh, my favorite and the staff's favorite Christmas tradition. Do you guys know what it is? Christmas Eve? Four services. It's, yeah, that's our favorite tradition. We get to do four services here. Three, four, five, and six o'clock. Uh, we really do like those. They're fun. Um, and then Christmas Day comes. Uh, we usually read the birth of Christ. Uh, then we'll obviously do gifts and things, and then we will do a movie. Usually the movie is a Christmas story uh, with the little kid that wants the BB gun. That's, that's a good one. It's a good one. Uh, and then uh, Leanne will probably drink a little too much eggnog. And then, no, it's because she's lactose intolerant. Not, what are you guys thinking? Uh, if she has any, it's too much, all right? <laughs> Uh, anyways, so those are some of the traditions uh, that we love uh, around our house around Christmas time. Um, but there's some traditions in Scripture. In fact, uh, what we're going to get to today is it's really not only a tradition, but it's an ordinance left for the church by Jesus Christ, and that's uh, the Lord's Supper. And it has its roots. Uh, it's, it's actually very, very Jewish. In fact, the fact that you and I Celebrate the Lord's Supper is really weird because probably most of us aren't of Jewish descent, maybe some of us, uh, but that's really the only place where you would have done that, where you would have celebrated what Jesus would call the Passover. Uh, but then Jesus came along and he, he does something to this tradition that's like 1,500 years old, all right? And he, he just changes the entire thing. It Every single year, it was always the same until the night before Jesus, until the night that Jesus was arrested. And Jesus changed this 1,500-year-old tradition. And he says, yeah, I know what it's always been about, but now it's going to be about something different. And so I don't know, has anybody ever tried to change your traditions? Uh, my, my mom did this at Christmas. I don't know. She just, she just started coming with a mailbox, uh, into my house at Christmas. And we're like, why do you have a mailbox? And so she has this mailbox and she's like, well, I'm going to put all the kids gifts in the mailbox and they get to open the mailbox and pull their gifts out. And I was like, all right, I guess we got a new tradition. And so that became the tradition for a few years. Um, but 
if you start stepping on people's traditions, they get angry. They get really angry. And the fact that Jesus does this, it, it really kind of just spits in the face of everything that everyone has done for 1,500 years. All right? And it all goes back to the Passover. And so Jesus probably celebrated the Passover meal with his disciples, probably about, uh, well, not with his disciples, but in the course of his life, about 30 times, maybe a, maybe a few more. Um, and uh, it was a part of his life. And it was always, always, always the same. So I wanted to go back to Exodus and let's kind of look at this, uh, at this tradition and where it came from, the Passover so this is what it says. I'll read up here so you guys can, uh, uh, I'll, I'll just kind of follow along. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt. All right, so now we're going to go way back, all right? Uh, we're, now Moses has not yet led the people that have been in captivity in Egypt out of Egypt, okay? That's coming, and it's coming really soon, okay? And so when the Lord is talking, and that Lord in all capitals, you probably know that that's the word Yahweh, all right? Uh, they didn't want to say the word Yahweh because they didn't want to take the name of the Lord in any way that would be unholy to him or, or dishonor him, and so they would substitute it for, their, Lord for uh, their word for Lord. And so this is really saying Yahweh said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt. So they're there there in Egypt, and uh, nine plagues have passed. And these nine plagues were uh, God trying to show the Pharaoh that it is time to let my people go. If you don't let them go, I will continue bringing plagues upon you and your people and your land. And so here we have the Lord coming to Moses in the land of Egypt. Let's go to the next verse. This month shall be for you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year for you. I love that he, he just resets the calendar, God does. He's like, you know what? Let's throw out the old calendar. Let's, let's, let's get a new calendar. You know why he wanted to get a new calendar? Because he was about to set his people free from slavery. It was a new lease on life for them. And it was a time to start everything new. And so that's exactly what he's gonna do. Let's go to the next verse. Tell all of the congregation of Israel, that on the 10th day of this month, every man shall take a lamb according to their father's houses, a lamb for a household. All right, go to the next one. And if the household is too small for a lamb, then he and his nearest neighbor shall take according to the number of persons, according to each, uh, what each can eat, you shall make your count for the lamb. And so God is saying, all right, so here's what you're gonna do on the 10th day of the month. You need to take for yourself a lamb. If you, if you can't, eat this entire lamb, <coughs> excuse me, then what you need to do is, is you need to get with your neighbors and make sure that you have the right number of people for that lamb, all right? So that's kind of what he's saying here. Let's keep going. <coughs> your lamb shall be without blemish, a male, a year old. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats. Now, if you remember when I was talking in Leviticus, we were talking about uh, a sacrifice that was offered to God, and it was an atoning sacrifice that was offered to God. And what you would do in that case is you would bring your bull or your lamb or your goat or whatever it was, and you would place your hand on it, and you would, you would identify with this sacrifice uh, because you would identify with it because 
this animal is about to pay for your sin, his life for your sin. Uh, it's similar here, but uh, it's, this isn't really a sacrifice for atonement or anything like that. We're going to get to why the sacrifice is made. Uh, but I want to just point out here, just like in the Leviticus passage, the lamb had to be without blemish. All right. That meant it couldn't. It couldn't be like a lame lamb. Okay. It couldn't have like. It couldn't have like one leg that didn't work, or it, it was about to die. And we're like, hey, let's get that lamb. It's going to die anyway. We'll give that to the Lord. You couldn't do that. Uh, so it had to be without blemish, uh, a male, a year old. All right. Now we know because we're so far removed from this that uh, this was really pointing to Christ. Right. That that a male would pay for our sins without spot, without blemish, without sin, without any of that. And so now they don't know that that's pointing forward to Jesus, all right? But we do because we have uh, the opportunity and the, uh, the viewpoint that we have uh, to look back on it all. Let's go to the next verse. And you shall keep it until the 14th day of the month when the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill their lambs at twilight Sounds horrible. It's, it's gonna, everybody, all of Israel, all right, is going to take these lambs on the 10th day and on the 14th day, all of them at twilight are gonna kill their lambs. Let's keep going. Then they shall take some of the blood and they shall put it on the two doorposts and the lintel of the houses in which they eat it. Now, you've probably uh, been in church long enough, but what they would do after they uh, had killed that lamb is they would, uh, they would dip hyssop in, uh, which was a plant, and they would dip that in the blood and they would paint that on the top of their doorway and then on the sides of their doorway. All right, and that's all that he's saying right there. And we're gonna get to all the reasoning behind this in just, in just a few verses. They shall eat the flesh that night, so they shall eat the lamb, roasted on the fire with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. They shall eat it. Now, this really sets up the whole Passover feast. It's a lamb, it's unleavened bread, and it's bitter herbs, all right? The unleavened bread, it's unleavened because, uh, uh, for one, God said that it should be un unleavened, but they also didn't have time to leaven their bread because of what God uh, was doing, and then bitter herbs uh, they shall eat. Those bitter herbs are to remind them of the bitter time of slavery that they've had in Egypt for 400 years, okay? And so when they celebrate this in the future, and we'll get to that when God, when God says, hey, you're gonna celebrate this in the future, uh, and this is, this is kind of what all that signifies. Let's go to the next verse. Do not eat any of it raw or boiled in water, but roasted, its head with its legs and its inner parts. Doesn't that sound good? Just like, hmm, lamb, I could really use some lamb head and legs and inner parts tonight. That's probably not what Leanne is making me for dinner tonight, uh, which is good. We'll go to the next verse. And you shall let none of it remain until the morning. Anything that remains until the morning, you shall burn. Let's go to the next one. In this manner, you shall eat it. So now he's saying, all right, that's what you're going to do. That's what you're going to eat. The, the lamb, the bitter herbs, and the unleavened bread. Here's how you should eat it. You shall eat it with your belt fastened, all right? It's not like Thanksgiving where you're like, I'm gonna undo this belt. <laughs> it's not like that. Eat it with your belt fastened, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand, and you shall eat it in a hurry. It is the Lord's Passover, okay? So why do they have to eat it like that? 
It's because God was about to free them and they had to be ready to go. He was on the cusp of freeing them from slavery for 400 years and he wanted them ready to go. So that's how they had to eat it. Now we get the reasoning. For I will pass through the land of Egypt that night and I will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And on the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgments. I am the Lord. So he says, this is what's going to happen. I'm going to pass through and I'm going to strike the firstborn in the land of Egypt. My, uh, I've talked about this with my family and I talked about if we were there, uh, who in our family would have passed away if we didn't sacrifice the lamb and paint uh, its blood on the doorposts and everything. And so uh, I think you usually think, well, it would just be one person in each house, right? No. No, in my home alone, I'm a firstborn. My firstborn son is a firstborn and my wife is a firstborn. Jack, Hallie, and London would be left all alone if we were there. And so if you just think about that, I think we usually think, oh, it was, it was one person. No, in my family's case, it would have been three, right? Uh, which, is, which is really crazy to think about. And so that lamb, had we been there, or, or if there was another family of, of six, uh, maybe that lamb, we usually think it, it maybe was the substitute for one. No, it was in their case, it would have, in our case, it would have been a substitute for three. Uh, and then he says, uh, I'm gonna execute judgment on all the gods uh, of Egypt. Now, a lot of people think that each of the plagues was God executing a judgment against a particular Egyptian God. And then you have 10. Uh, I, I don't think that's right. I think all of the plagues were to execute judgment on all of the gods because anytime the true God does something, the false gods and the people who trust in them are just put to shame. Uh, and God is executing his judgment uh, in those ways. Um, I want to just hold it there for a second. I wanted to uh, kind of let you in on what happened in chapter 11. This is uh, chapter 11. This is verse 7. He says, I'm going to do this. Uh, Moses is communicating to the Pharaoh, and he says, God is going to do all this, but uh, to, to all of Egypt, but not a dog shall growl against any of the people of Israel either man or beast, so that you may know that the Lord makes a distinction between Egypt and Israel. And so God is saying, listen, I, God, is gonna, God is gonna do all of this. And Moses is telling the Pharaoh, and he says, though God is going to do all of this to you, he's gonna make a distinction between Egypt and his people. And his people are getting special instructions so that this doesn't happen to them, but it will happen to you. God makes this huge distinction between Israel and, uh, and Egypt. Let's go to the next verse. The blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you and no plague will befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. So he's saying, if you just do what I've asked, if you take that lamb, if you kill it, if you eat it with those herbs and you paint the, the blood on the door and you do all of that, Nothing is going to happen to you. I will pass over you, which is where we get uh, the word Passover. We'll go through these next verses a little quick. This day shall be for you a memorial day, and you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord. Throughout your generations, as a statute forever, you shall keep it as a feast. God is saying, I want you to do this Passover all the time forever, okay? 
That's all that he's that is saying there. Seven days you shall eat unleavened bread. On the first day you shall remove leaven out of your houses. For if anyone eats what is leavened from the first day until the seventh day, that person shall be cut off from Israel. All right, go to the next one. On the first day, you shall hold a holy assembly, and on the seventh day, a holy assembly. No work shall be done on those days, but what everyone needs to eat, that alone may be prepared by you. Next verse. And you shall observe the feast of unleavened bread, for on this very day, I brought your hosts out of the land of Egypt. Therefore, you shall observe this day throughout your generations as a statute forever. So God is just setting up the Passover meal. And so for 1,500 years, they do this. And the Jews, uh, they still do this, don't they? Uh, you've probably heard of a Seder and things like that. Uh, these, those are uh, just an extension of this Passover meal. And so uh, it, is, it was a statute for quite a long time. Let me look here in my, in my verse here and just see how far I wanted to go. Because we're running out of time. I think we're going to stop there for this. Um, I'm going to skip forward to verse 25, James. I love this part. And when you come to the land that the Lord will give you, as he has promised, you shall keep this service, this Passover. And when your children say to you, what do you mean by this service? Hey, mom, dad, why are we doing this? Here's what you shall say to them. Verse 27. You shall say, this is the sacrifice of the Lord's Passover. For he passed over the houses of the people of Israel in Egypt when he struck the Egyptians, but spared our houses. And the people bowed their heads and they worshiped. That's where I want to stop right there. That was the reason. That was the reason for the Passover. Mommy, daddy, Why are we doing this? Why are we eating the bitter herbs? Why is our bread funny? Why do we have to kill the lamb? Why are we painting our doors? Why are we doing all this? Because this is the sacrifice of the Lord's Passover. It's a remembrance that he passed over the houses of the people of Israel in Egypt when he struck the Egyptians, but he spared our houses. 1,500 years, year after year, they did it. Every year of Jesus's life, he did it very last year that Jesus Christ was alive, he did it. And he did it with his disciples. Now I want us to go into Luke 22. And we'll be in verse 14 to start off. And when the hour came, Jesus, this is 1,500 years in the future now. And when the hour came, he reclined at the table and the apostles were with him. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired To what? Eat this Passover with you before I suffer. Jesus wanted to eat the Passover meal with his disciples. Why? Well, because this was was the meal that the Jews celebrated. They loved the Passover. They loved getting together. They loved the tradition of it. They loved every single thing about it. And Jesus can't wait to eat uh, with the disciples uh, before he suffers. Now, Keep in mind, they don't know everything that's coming really soon, starting later that night. Let's go to the next verse. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. He's saying, this is the last time I'm going to eat this for a really long time. Verse 17. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he said, take this and divide it among yourselves. Verse 18. 
For I tell you that from now on I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And then we get to the part where he takes the bread and he takes the cup and he celebrates the Passover. And what's interesting is Jesus never mentions slavery in Egypt. He never mentions the very reason that they've done this meal for 1,500 years. In fact, not only does he not mention it, he pretty much erases it. And he pretty much says, it's not really about that anymore. I'm gonna take your traditions and I'm gonna say, no, any, not anymore. It's not gonna happen anymore. When you do this, I don't want you to do this in remembrance of 400 years of bitter slavery. I don't really want you thinking about the Passover lamb anymore. I don't really want you to eat the bitter herbs and remember the slavery. I don't want you to uh, eat with your staff in your hand. I'm not, I don't want any of that. What does he say? Do this in remembrance of me. Wow. If you were a Jew sitting at that table, you would have been like, I'm sorry, what did you just say? Did you say we're not, we're supposed to do this meal, the meal of the Passover, and we're supposed to think of you now? No, no one's ever done that. We only think of one thing during this meal. And Jesus says, yeah, I know. Now it's all about me. So I want us to celebrate the Lord's Supper together. We can remember everything that the Israelites went through because it is part of the history of the Passover. But it doesn't, what we do here doesn't point to that event. It points to the event that Jesus Christ died on the sin, on the cross for our sins. That he made a way for us to be with God. That his body was broken for us and that his blood was shed for us. That's the significance of the Passover now. We don't even call it the Passover anymore, do we? Nope. What do we call it? Lord's Supper, right? Why? Because it's not about what it used to be about anymore. Jesus changed it all with his sacrifice. It's much better than the sacrifice of a lamb. It's a sacrifice for everyone, and it's a sacrifice for the removal of sins. So as we take the bread and as we take the cup, I want us to remember Jesus Christ. That's the ordinance that Jesus left the church. As often as you do this, do it in remembrance of me, he said. In fact, if you look at the Greek, what it, what it really says is this, keep doing in my memory. Not just do this. If you do this, remember me. No, keep doing this, remembering me. We'll look at verse uh, 19. And he took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it. Remember, it's the same bread from the Passover meal, right? He, this is the Passover meal. He broke it, and he gave it, gave it to them, saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let us take the bread let us eat together.
Go to the next verse. And likewise, the cup, after they had eaten, saying, this cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. Now, the unleavened bread, it wasn't to represent the quickness with which they had to leave Egypt. Now it has a totally different meaning. Don't even think about that anymore, disciples. Just think of my body that was broken for you. The, the cup that's, that used to point to the sacrifice of the lamb that was slain, now it is a new covenant. It's in Jesus' blood. The disciples are now to remember him as they drink the cup of the Passover. Let us take the cup and let us drink together. Traditions don't often get changed. But when they do, and Jesus does it, we should pay a lot of attention to it. Well, I hope that you've seen a little more richness in uh, why we do the Lord's Supper. Because Jesus said for us to do it, and it was a part of his life for many years, and he changed everything about it to focus on him. And hopefully that's what you do this week. Hopefully you go into this next week and you're focused on him. You remember his body that was, that was broken for you. You remember his blood that was shed for you. And you continue serving him as your Lord. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you so very much for who you are. We thank you that you took a 1,500-year-old tradition and you brought life to it. We thank you that we still celebrate this supper that you had with your disciples, and we still do it for the reason that you told them to do it. We do it to remember what you've done for us, the price that has been paid for our sin. We thank you for that forever, and we thank you for our salvation. Dear God, help us this week to honor you in the things that we think, the things that we say, and the things that we do. In Jesus' name, amen.